I think like authenticity is important, especially in a time where you have like even on a platform like LinkedIn, you have uh, one million people, a uh, one billion people, sorry, using the platform, right? And when you have so many people, do you actually think influencing your content with other people's ideas is going to help you get viral? No, it's not, right? People are looking for uniqueness. So if you don't bring yourself out there, it's not going to work. As simple as that. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Oh My Kurganist podcast. I'm your host Hamza Islam, and on each episode of this podcast, I talk to Gen Zers from different fields about their story and the experiences that have shaped them into who they are today. Now, when it came to naming the podcast Oh My Curry Goodness, I completely understand if you thought this was a podcast about making curry. Unfortunately, I'm not good at make I'm not a good chef, although I am in work in progress, and I hope to have an in-person interview where I where we can talk to guests and eat curry. But for the time being, the purpose of Oh My Curry Goodness is when we hear stories that are interesting, we say, oh my goodness. And then I use curry as a way to emphasize the goodness part. And I know at a time where we can usually use strong words to say something, I want to use a fun word. So, oh my curry goodness. But I hope that you guys as listeners join me in taking valuable lessons from each guest on this podcast, because storytelling is a great way to connect with people in a humanistic way. It's not just about who they are, but it's about what they are. And I just hope that regardless of who you are, what your age, background, ethnicity, gender, whatever that may be, that you can learn from people in knowing that they had challenges and we should talk about them because that's what makes us human beings. But at the end of the day, we are capable of doing incredible things. Now, my guest this week is Ritika Saraswat, who is the founder of Redefine, which is an organization that looks to empower people from marginalized communities across different countries by providing access to education and resources. Now, one of the really cool things about Ritika is not just the work that she's doing, but as someone who is South Asian, it's always cool to connect with other South Asians who want to focus on not just the work that she is doing with Redefine, but empowering other South Asians to find their purpose and that it's not just about income, but about impact. So I'm really excited to be able to connect with a fellow South Asian Ritika, thank you so much for joining Oh My Curry Goodness. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me as well. I'm just looking forward to our conversations for today. And as you said, uh, I love the last phrase you mentioned, how it's not just about, uh, you know, uh, making your career and everything, but it's also about looking into impact. So I'm, um, yeah, ready to dive further into the conversation. Absolutely. And it's so cool to be able to connect with a fellow South Asian, just because not just because of the name, because I know South Asians love curry. But just being able to work with people that, again, focus on impact as opposed to income. One of the first things I want to start talking about is while you've had a lot of success with not just yourself uh, or with Redefine, but one of the things I love talking about, want to talk about is the beginning in the sense that you are a first generation immigrant. I think you're an international student from India and um, you are now based in Canada, which I, I, and one of the things that I, I don't understand, my dad kind of has, has had this experience where he uh, moved to the United States from Bangladesh. And when you're moving from a country, especially like from a South Asian country like India or Bangladesh to the United States or Canada, there are a lot of changes or it's, it's a huge change, environmental, yeah. social, everything. And those early, or not even just early days, just those days trying to adapt to a new system or culture can be difficult. I want to ask you, this is a weird question, but I also feel like it's a great question in a way is what was your, I guess, teddy bear 
in that case. And what I mean by teddy bear is when I was little, and I'm sure many people can relate to this, if we, I guess, have like a bad dream or when we're little, I used to be afraid of thunderstorms. One of the things that kind of, I guess, I held on to to make the pain or that like that fear a little bit easier to manage was a teddy bear. And yes, I know it's a weird analogy, but at the same time, I feel like there's like something that you hold on to. Or there's something, someone you go to that, even though the challenges are there, there's yeah. something that you're holding on to that's kind of helping you navigate through that pain, even though that pain is difficult. Obviously, a thunderstorm is like, a, it's a short-term thing. Yours is obviously moving from one country to another is, is a much different thing. But what would you say was your teddy bear or things you held, held on to that kind of helped you navigate through those uh, those early challenges when you came from when you came from India? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for me, honestly, just has been the ideology that me, myself, my aspiration and my dreams aren't just mine. They are those of my parents as well, because I think there's a huge investment of theirs in me fulfilling those dreams in the first place. You know, being one of so many millions of girls in India, out of which very few percentage even get access to education. I think being one of the fortunate ones who even got the opportunity, you know, coming to study abroad, you know, and I spend those hundred thousands of dollars into my education. I think uh, I, from a very early age, always realized that because of having been given an opportunity that not a lot of people get, I need to make the most use of it. So I feel like even in times where I feel down, even in times when I'm scared or feel fearful or I think things get very challenging and you know you sometimes I reach that spot where you're like you know I just want to give up in a way because it's just too much I think the thought that reminds me is you know what we didn't come all the way here just for this right we didn't come all the way here to give up now because we've already come a long way enough right and that end goal is not too far away so I think I just that thought that hey I've already come far enough and you know if I just keep pushing myself and keep going we'll soon eventually be there at that end goal um, is what kind of keeps me driving and you know the fact that there are people counting on me um and um the third i think thing also like the small thing is in my head there's always this voice that says we don't have to let the people win who questioned the capability in the first place so i think that's another thing that keeps me driving is just making sure um i'm proving them wrong yeah yeah that's a, i really like the the that last thought is interesting because this idea of proving people wrong and I kind of go back and forth with this because some people will say, oh, it's proving them wrong. Some people will say, no, it's about proving yourself right. Don't yeah. focus on other people. And that's a difficult challenge. And I will I will say this because I was born in the United States and I was very fortunate to not have to worry about the things that you had to worry about. I think growing up, the only fear I had was getting the good getting the best grades because we see these memes about south asian culture yeah. where it's like oh you got to have the perfect marks if you get 99.9 yeah. percent on anything that's a bad thing and so that was a weird fear of mine and growing up i think i look back and i realize like oh wow i'm in a very fortunate position because not everyone gets to worry quote unquote about that like some people had to really worry about adapting a different culture paying for everything like when my dad moved to the United States, forgetting about forget about getting good grades in college, um, he's got to worry about his safety. He's got to figure out how to pay for everything. Uh, he's got to find a job, and especially in a place where he grew up, where not people were not very kind to yeah. people of other or to other South Asians. So, I mean, I really do applaud you, and I know I'm sure you've heard this many times, but I feel like people don't really understand that first generation thing. And I will never understand that because I've never lived it. So 
I know you've, you've probably heard this many, many times, but I just want to say, like, I do apply to everything that you do. And I mean, even if it's not perfect, it's like, it's like you are, you are really like, I guess at a, at a really good, I would say like, you're really in, in a good place in the sense that you have this, you are able to become independent, which is something that everyone can do. And I think you're one of those people that I, re that remind me of the saying, being comfortable with being uncomfortable because even though we don't want to we have to and if it may not make sense now but it may make sense in the future i know i tend to ramble a lot but i feel like i feel like those are really important things that especially like that's why i really applaud first generation or people like international students because that takes a lot of courage physically and mentally 100 percent. now speaking of south asian cultures yeah <laughs> you grew up so i saw that you were a kinesiology hope i'm hopefully i'm saying that right kinesiology kinesiology yes. thank you <laughs> and um you were one of many people that were like you know what forget the forget the career i want to focus on making an impact um yeah. yes you had interest in the medical field but now here you are going into the business world the impact world and i often feel like the the hardest step that everyone can take is the very first step that first step of acknowledging that this is not something you want to do that you want to do something else or that first step of telling people that either your family or within your community that i don't want to do the thing that you probably want me to do obviously we'll talk about the older generations first because i'm sure there's gonna be a one south asian uncle or aunt that's gonna be like we need to cancel or boycott this podcast but uh, how do you encourage and whether it could be myself even yourself or even people in general, tell me about how you try to encourage people to focus on making the impact as, as opposed to the prestige part. Because a lot of people will focus on making as much money as possible, which I know of course can play a big part. But at the end of the day, like you said, impact is really important to you. So how do you encourage, maybe even let's look at South Asians in, for, in, in general, how do you encourage them to be able to focus more on impact as opposed to the prestige or the income? Yeah, I think for me, to be honest, like the reason like impact, I knew from a very young age, because I think I was born and brought up in the value systems around impact that I realized that that's one of the highest priorities for me, because I think very early on, I was able to even see in many situations how, you know, no matter how much money you have at the end of the day, if you don't have the right value systems in place, if you don't have the right ideologies in place, it does not really matter, right? Because at the end of the day, you see today, there are so many rich business people and one piece of advice they always say and always mention in every podcast, every interview you can watch is make sure you have the right people around you no one ever says don't have people around you right the fact that people constantly mention about that goes to show how surrounding yourself with the right people which comes from you having created an impact on certain people becomes important and I think even for me that's why from a very young age like impact became like it's not like I don't want to make money I definitely want to make money because I know making more money can help me help more people right at the end of the day so I feel like it's not that money and impact are separate things which I think a lot of people assume and imagine but I think even in the non-for-profit space I think people think money and non-for-profit don't align but they they can and why not they should in fact and I think the future is that whereby you start businesses which not just make incredible amount of money but also create that incredible amount of impact so I think it's all about that balance moving forward and I think for me what I try to propose to people is that balance right you can't tell someone to just become a saint overnight right and be like 
get rid of all these wants and needs that you have uh, or get rid of all these wants, sorry, and just focus on your needs. I don't think that's feasible sometimes. I think it's important uh, to sometimes give in to those wants that you have in a way to reward yourself. But I think it's all about placing it out in a balance that makes sense for you. And I think like approaching it from that perspective makes things more logical to people because then people, once they start doing that, it becomes a lot easier for them to even focus on impact because when you're just highly driven by just this idea of making money, not necessarily because you want to be powerful to help people or do certain things, but making more money because you want to buy certain things like a Gucci bag or an iPhone, etc., so that you become a part of a certain societal status or gain acceptance into a certain that bracket into society. That's that's what's different, right? And I noticed this with a lot of international students as well. And this is a conversation I have with them constantly is you see a lot of them doing multiple part-time jobs. They'll work even seven days a week at the same time doing a full-time course load. Even though they don't need to work seven days a week, they could technically make things work for themselves, let's say working even five days a week. But they work those seven days a week because they want to pay for that $55 installment payment for their iPhone per month, right? That's something that's a need. They know it's not a want, right? Uh, sorry, it's a want, right? It's not a need. But they want to give into that. Why? Because, hey, when you carry that iPhone and when you're going to college, you just come across as someone who's cool, who's up with the trends. You want a fancy car, you pay for those installments as well, right? And you work a lot harder. And I think that's where, like, I don't always say it's all about impact, but I think thinking about impact, even personally to yourself, right? And I think I just encourage people to then reflect on, and even with these students, I tell them, because they come to me complaining about, hey, I'm not landing a job. Well, I'm like, it's because your priorities aren't in the right place, right? Your priorities aren't aligned with your goals. Because if your goal is really to land a job, why are you more comfortable spending $50 a month on an iPhone versus investing $10, let's say, for one networking event to attend? right? If that's the difference, you're obviously going to see a difference in outcomes, right? And I think when you present that to people, they realize, okay, wow, on a day-to-day -day basis, am I taking actions that are creating an impact or a positive influence in my life? And if it's not, and it's just fulfilling your needs, what's the point of that, right? And I think I, I just try to do that. And I think that way people just see things in perspective, right? And I think impact starts with yourself first. I think once you start creating that own impact in your life, you get the space to help others as well. You know, that's why even in the airlines, they always say help yourself first and then help others because you got to first have the capacity to help others. It's not as easy always, right? So, yeah. You, yeah, you echo a lot of the things that even mental health activists say in the sense that, yes, they want to be able to advocate for other people, but you can't, you can't advocate for other people if you can't even advocate for yourself. So I think that's really important. Now, Ritika, obviously, you I know you recently came back from India. So, well, firstly, I need to ask you the burning question. How often did you eat curry in India during when, when you were there? Did you eat it like every day or tell me a bit about that? Tell me about how often you had curry in India. Honestly, I don't think I had it that often, which is surprising now that I think about it. Because I tried different things the entire time I was there. I think I was trying to catch up on my Pani Puri and my chart and everything, which I don't get as often here. So I don't think I honestly took out much time for the curry because I'm not Indian. So I think a lot of my thing went eating a lot of parathas and, you know, uh, curd with it. <laughs> so that's where my time went. <laughs> That's fair enough. But, um, you know, obviously you were not there just to have food, but you were there because you wanted to connect with other students and help them find their way to be successful. 
Now, obviously, we talked about the importance of impact and everything. Unfortunately, not every South Asian auntie or oh, wow, the South Asian part really came out. Uh, the South Asian aunt or uncle, not everyone will be supportive of that. And I usually ask this question to activists, even though I don't know if you consider yourself an activist, which is that, are you okay with that, with knowing that even though you have a good intention that you're trying to spread a message, that not everyone will like you for having that message? So I want to ask you, because you're one of the very few South Asian or people of South Asian descent who focus on making an impact, not just for others, but for yourself. Are you at peace knowing that not everyone, especially older generations of South, who are South Asian descent, are you okay with the fact that not everyone will agree with the things that you preach? Yeah, definitely. Why not? I think the expectation that people should agree with you is wrong in the first place, right? I think each one of us are unique and different. And I think what we all need to do is respect each other's opinions. I think uh, uh, I think people cross the line when they start imposing their opinions on the other person, whether that may be by someone commenting on, hey, what you're doing in life is not right. You should do this instead. But at the same time, it could also be on the other side, right? Like if I, as someone who even creates content on LinkedIn, if someone is just say that, hey, I don't appreciate the content you put out or I don't agree with what you say, me coming at them and being like, hey, no, you are wrong and this and that is also not right in the first place, right? Because that's imposing your opinions on someone. And I think whether it be creating content as an example, or whether it be putting yourself out there, I think it's very clear that each one of us are distinct and different. And I don't, at least for me, I never have the expectation that people need to like me. I love myself a lot. I know how incredible I am. So if that other person doesn't agree the same, I never believe that because to me, the reality is something else, you know? And I think that's the kind of, uh, you know, I don't just say that's about confidence, but I think that's the kind of self-belief and self-assurance you need to have with yourself first. And you need to feel comfortable with who you are I think when you feel comfortable with yourself where you're at in life the kind of work that you're putting in I think no matter what anyone says you kind of have your head aligned and straight focused on that goal right and I I, I have this quote that says that uh, winners focus on their goal losers focus on the winners and I think for me that has always been a big one that you know I, I you know I, I believe I'm born to win <laughs> and I think most of us are born to live so are born to win so you know why not just focus on our goals and let others focus on you right uh, yeah so I don't know that's at least my attitude that's the way I've been born and brought up as well and which is why even on you know as a content creator on LinkedIn as well you know when I post a lot of things there are so many times that you know some people may find the fact that their feed on LinkedIn is occupied with my posts annoying while others may find it inspiring right uh, but as long as they're still seeing me right that's what matters to me <laughs> whether they're annoyed or angry I don't care about that <laughs> so yeah I, yeah, I definitely want to talk about the content creation on LinkedIn later on, but it actually kind of trans, uh, transitions into the next thing I want to talk about, which is um, I think a lot of people sometimes focus, well, I struggle with this. You talked about how you love yourself. I am trying to do that. And when I say I, I'm trying to do that, I think obviously podcasting is different from reaching out to different countries about or different helping empowering marginalized communities like storytelling and what you do are two different things however i would say that sometimes i don't i'm very critical of myself so i'm the type of person that likes to focus on those very very small things oh i don't like the sound of my voice i sound like uh, a star wars villain or oh the lighting wasn't good i'm very critical on the small things because i really care about 
being, I guess, like that being respected, being admired kind of thing. Um, and I, fortunately, I hung out with the wrong people. So I'm trying to work on trying to find the right people. Reason why I bring that up is your organization has helped has helped a country or helped people from countries like India, Canada, Nigeria, Ghana. You've helped over thousands of students. And what's weird is sometimes when I'm on social media, I want to be happy for people like you and for others who are doing incredible things. But sometimes it's really hard for me to be like, well, here are all, all the results that this person is doing going. And it's not a competition thing. It's not like me versus Ritika. Why on earth? Would, like you would destroy me. But like, no. Like, <laughs> but like what I'm saying, it's like it's it has it can't be about me versus you. It has to be me and you versus something and whatever that enemy or that mission is. However, there is sometimes, and I feel like especially on social media where we feel like we have to compare with other people. It's like here's the work Ritika is doing. Meanwhile. I'm trying to get to level one, whereas Ritika is at level 50. And I'm curious to know, because especially I love seeing this when people talk about all the successes they've had. And you've been very open about the challenges you've had, whether it's with redefined content creation or as a first generation student. Do you feel like even if you if we take out all the countries you've impacted, all the students you've impacted when it comes to redefine and empowering people from marginalized communities? Do you still feel like you would still have that fire and energy in you, even if you weren't reaching to different countries or helping students all across the country, all across the world? Yeah, I think I would absolutely. I think that's the reason why I started in the first place. I think uh, the non-for-profit industry, you know, entrepreneurship, being in the space of content creation, coming as an immigrant in Canada and wanting to do things beyond just academics, beyond just doing part-time jobs and and still taking out the time, you know, while doing a full-time course load, while doing two part-time jobs, while doing two internships, and still taking out the time to start my own organization to create that impact. I think no one can do that unless you're really freaking passionate about it, unless you have the fire burning inside of you to create that impact for people. And I think that's what got it, got me started in the first place. And I think I'm a very honest believer in the fact that, you know, money, fame, and everything comes easily with effort. If you put in the effort, if you're consistent, if you're disciplined, all of these things will very easily flow along. It is just an equal to sign for me between those two things. And I think anyone can achieve that agenda. But the combination of consistency, effort, and discipline is the most difficult combination ever. Very few people in the world are the ones who are actually able to maintain that, right? And that's why you have few percentage of people who are those incredibly successful people in the world, right? Even I am not the best at those combination of those three things, which is why I'm, I know I'm not where I want to be yet because of me not being the best at managing those three things. I know the day I manage this well, right? And which includes, you know, letting go of that procrastination, trying to overcome those things and everything. I easily know I'll be able to achieve those goals. That's why for me, I think that was the biggest mindset changer for me. You know, when you mentioned this idea about social media, creating that comp uh, comparison amongst you, whereby even though you as someone may not want to compare yourself to someone else, there is this tendency when you just look at LinkedIn posts or Instagram post, you know, to just end up comparing yourself because what you're just seeing sometimes is the end result, right? And when you're sitting there on your couch or on your chair and just looking at those posts, you're like, what the hell am I doing in life, right? And I think each one of us thinks like that at many times. But what me, helped me change my perception and 
go from becoming someone who did not feel happy about even my friends sometimes who were achieving these incredible things to becoming someone who was feeling inspired by these people was just this mindset shift that helped me realize that, you know what, at the end of the day, whatever that person's doing, I can easily get all of those things. I just got to do these three things as simple as that. Because, and I started realizing that as soon as I put an effort, I was getting all of those things, right? So I realized at the end of the day, I can get whatever the heck I want in life. Anyone can get whatever they want in life, as long as they're putting in effort, consistency, and discipline. As simple as that's the simplest strategy to being successful in life. But those three things are the most difficult things to master in life, right? So I think once I realized that, I just realized that the power lies in my hands and, you know, I can accomplish anything I want in the world with no influence of the other. So since then, my comparison has only been with myself. It's always Ritika versus Ritika, right? Have I improved, right? I want to 10x Ritika today by the end of the next six months, right? I want to 20x Ritika, 50x Ritika by the end of the year. That's my goal because I know where my potential is at and I don't think anyone can compare to that. Similarly, even your potential, no one else can compare to that because it's unique in its own way and form. So I think that was one of the first things. And I think secondly is, which I would recommend to anyone who may feel like this sometimes is reach out to those people you feel like this towards and set up a call with them to understand what went behind the scenes for them to be where they are today. Because when you actually have that conversation you realize that there was tons and tons and tons of effort sleepless nights that went behind it which is why they're they're sitting where they're sitting right uh, nothing happens overnight nothing happens just by luck yes luck does play a role in it but i think majority it is that effort that then attracts the luck in place and i think once you start realizing that you just realize right it's you at the end of the day who creates successes and failures for yourself no one else so why I look at others, right? Yeah, I love everything you said, especially the the fact that there was so much work that was put in behind the scenes that you don't normally see. And I think that's why that's what sparks my curiosity in people, especially when I see people doing incredible things. I'm like, there's gotta be a different picture. They're smiling <laughs> in this picture, but when they're but off camera, there's a lot of like yes, frustration yeah. happening. Like, yes, Ritika likes to be seen as someone who likes to help people, empower people. Yeah, she's enjoying her successes. But she's still like, there's still moments where she's like, ah, I messed up or I. Uh, yeah, and I, I try to show those things, you know, like, and I feel like, like, I try to show those things. It's just in moments. How do I say sometimes when you're very happy, I also like for me, I think I don't let myself experience very extreme emotions. Like even I, I'm not someone who experiences extreme happiness. You know, a lot of my posts are just smiling posts, like just every day, right? Like regular smile. It's not like a laughing post where, you know, like I'm enjoying life to the hilt. Neither is it a post where I'm crying. I mean, I posted posts where I've been crying, but my point is that I try and make sure I show all sides of me, right? And I think sometimes just being in the social media, sometimes you have to force yourself to even if you don't want to or even if you're not feeling that way to even exaggerate you not feeling all right sometimes so that people feel that it's not just all roses right there is the other side of things to it as well at least that's what I started realizing because even the day I you know uh, I was fortunate enough the day I got to know that I became LinkedIn top wise the next day I was sitting in my bed and crying because I was like wow, there's so much I have to live up to, right? And I think for a lot of people, you know, who are successful, at least what I've seen from the people I've been reading about, from the people I look up to, the people I want to become like, one of the common traits among successful people is 
A, them being very confident in themselves for sure. And even having a superiority uh, complex of some sort that I'm better than anyone else and I deserve these things. But the second part to it is also that constant self-doubt as well whereby I'm not doing enough, that idea that I can do a lot more, I'm not living up to my potential. And I think those two things are what the combination of those keeps you going just a lot. And you feel dissatisfied at many times. Like even if you ask me today, right? Like, I want to do so much more. And I feel like I'm not living up to it yet. Right? So I think that's another side to it as well. A couple of things I want to talk about when it comes to redefine before we talk about content creation is well, let's talk about the the ugly topic, losing friends, because you have been open about this. We I remember when I first met you, we talked about losing friends because it's like people I know one of your favorite podcasts to listen to is Jay Shetty. And it's like this idea of being misunderstood. Not everyone understands your real in, your intentions. Now, I don't I know this is a very unpopular question, especially around. I feel like when we're little, we focus more on quantity of friends as opposed to quality of friends. And as we get older, we focus on quality instead of quantity. Do you, how do you encourage other people? And this goes back to the idea of how do you encourage people to focus on impact instead of income? How do you encourage people that it's okay to lose friends? Because sometimes we, we tend to make it, we feel like it's our fault for putting ourselves in that situation. You know, if we talk about Redefine, for example, yes, you've reached out to different countries, helped many students, but there were many days where it was a work in progress or you weren't getting the results. And when you're seeing people that are like, what on earth, Ritika, what are you doing? Time yeah. to stay away. Let's go survive. Let's like, let's leave this fish who wants to go against the current alone. We're going to follow yeah. the current. How do you, how do you like, how do you encourage people to be okay with that? Because it feels like, again, when you are losing friends, because you're so involved in your passion, because you really believe in it, it feels like it's your fault for being too passionate I don't think that should be the case. Honestly, like for me, I think it comes back to the idea of being very clear and confident in who you are and what you're doing and what's the reason behind it. I think as long as you know your why behind things, and honestly, a lot of people struggle, especially in their youth, because they don't know the why behind the things that they're doing, which is why they have a tendency to want to have someone else's acknowledgement and validation behind things. For me, I think the way I was born and brought up is I always saw that validation for myself. Right? Even when I decided to shift careers from medicine to business I never cared about even my parents would think about it I never cared what my relatives would think about it I first did what I knew I wanted to do and then figured out the rest right similarly for me even when it came to friendships honestly from a very young age I was very different from most kids where I never looked into the quantity of friends I from a very young age always had quality friends uh, because for me honestly and even my parents were my best friends technically and I know at that time a lot of people would find that uncool or whatever but I had my priorities straight I said hey see I want to learn from people and sometimes the people I was spending time with I just felt it was a waste of time <laughs> because you know people were just chatting about others what's there in the market in terms of beauty products or um, oh what happened with that person this person and I just felt that was a waste of time and that way you know in fact if anything I would 
um, intentionally take this step of walking away slowly from those groups and communities and, you know, instead invest my time in reading a book during lunchtime instead of chatting down and having lunch with a group of people, right? I think I was always different that way. And even when, as I grew up, you know, when I went to university, I know a lot of, uh, you know, people when they come abroad, they want to be part of groups, you know, have those friends that they can go to parties with and everything. I was again different there. You know, I said, hey, I don't want to be going out on a Friday night to a frat party. I'd rather sit at home and go on LinkedIn and network because I know this is my long-term investment, right? Um, so I think as long as you have those things clear, I was okay and very much comfortable with a lot of those friends leaving me who left me because I was focused on my career. Well, is that even a reason to leave someone? <laughs> you know, so that just made me realize that these aren't the right friends in the first place. Because for me, friendship is someone or a friend is someone who understands you for who you are and puts their ideologies, their priorities on the side and understands what your priorities are and works accordingly, right? It's not like I was creating an inconvenience to them, right? As long as they can still do what they want to do and they let me do what I want to do, that's a friend. A friend is someone who's there for support in case I need something right not someone who tells you hey don't work hard because I want to go party and I want you to come with me right that's a different situation so I think yeah that's why like and when I talk to a lot of students as well I tell them you know like focus on quality than quantity and a lot many times I promise you yourself myself anyone whenever you're in a company of friends uh, you will know when you are friends with them just for that quantity sake or is it actual friendship? You always know it. You always know it. And, you know, you you know that you are intentionally hanging out with these people, even if you may not internally want to, because you just want to be a part of that gang, because you want to be a part of that group, right? Because real friendship is, and this is true for a lot of students today, right? They may have 25 friends in university that they walk around with during lunchtime. But when they go back home and when they need to call someone in case they're in grave emergency, it's hardly going to be one out of those 20 people or sometimes even none, right? So that's when that's a real test of friendship, right? So for me, I was very happy about the fact that naturally I was losing out these superficial friends because that meant that those sticking around were the actual real ones. And those friends I still have from university, those group of five friends, we are friends for life. I know that. I know that even today, if something happens, they're going to fly down. And there's no, no, going to be no concern about anything. And I would do the same for them, right? And I rarely talk to them. I won't sometimes even forget their birthdays. I'm kind of like that. But they understand me for that, right? So I think it's all about finding the right friend group and making sure they understand you for who you are. I love everything you said. And it's funny because when I was little, I did focus on quantity instead of quality. And now that I go to college, I go to a school that has about 50,000, 60,000 students. Yeah. So that's a lot of people. And so it's very easy to go again back to that quantity moment. And so what I'm trying to do is only focus on maybe five to 10 friends I know I can trust or interact with. And even if I can't find them, can I at least try to be my own best friend? Because I don't think we tend to count ourselves as a friend because we're too busy being ourselves. We can't experience ourselves. So lately what I do in college is I like to eat at restaurants by myself in places where people like to eat in like in general yeah. or with, with groups. And I think it's a powerful thing, even though it's weird, it's still powerful because it's not weird. It's, it's weird. A... It feels weird because less people do it. And just because less people do it, I feel like sometimes it becomes an even better thing because it makes you 
uh, I always say this ideology of going from being one of many to one of a few, right? When almost 80% of people are just doing the same thing and running behind that quantity, when you start focusing on that quality time and when you very early on realize that what's most important is you understanding yourself and spending that time with yourself, you're already way ahead of the crowd, right? That's at least what I think about it. Even in classrooms when I went to study, you know how people sit in a bunch of groups and, you know, study together? Oh my God, no. I was like, I'm in my class because I was doing multiple part-time jobs multiple internships I did not have time after finishing classes to go and revise so I knew my class time is the time where I'm literally studying everything right because I don't have time to revise after that so I used to go sit on the front desk there where no one would be sitting and I would sit there very confidently by myself very happy about the fact that I was the only one sitting there you know, because I knew me sitting there versus other people sitting there is going to be making a huge difference in the outcomes that we experience in life. And I knew I wanted X outcomes, which the people did not want back there. So, yeah, for sure. And I and it's funny because I've been telling my, my uh, some of my friends, like, it's OK to eat by yourself. Like next time, go eat butter chicken with garlic naan and mango lassi by yourself. It's it's not that bad. <laughs> but I think uh, going back to what I was saying, like you you are you don't have to depend on other people for that validation validation. You can also give yourself that validation that yeah, you can do this. And it's not even though even though it may be unpopular, it's not a bad thing at the end of the day. Before we go into content creation, I know you are very passionate about redefine and one of the things that I was almost laughing every time I saw this was that you describe redefine as your baby. Now, yes. parents I ask this question to almost all of my guests because it is the it's a funny question, a weird question, but a human question. I think parents, when they have their newborn baby, they think it's the most beautiful thing in the world and they take absolute care of it. However, there are times where they don't like the things that they do, but they have to do in yeah. order because it's part of what it means to be a parent. Yeah. So pretend Ritika is the parent and Redefine is the baby. What are some things, even though you're passionate about the things that you do, and it's yeah. important to know that even though you're passionate, it doesn't mean that you won't have challenges. You can still have challenges even if you're passionate about something. What are some things when you look at Redefine, what are some things you don't like about Redefine, but you know you have to do it because it's part of what it, it means to be involved in this field? Yeah, and I would say, I would just rephrase it. It's not like parts of what I don't like about Redefine, but rather when you have an organization, like let's say even entrepreneurship in general or starting a non-for-profit, even though it comes from your passion and interest into creating an impact, making money or whatever it is, you will have to do things or processes uh, or take certain actions which you may not enjoy doing, which you may not be good at, which you may not be comfortable doing, but you have to do it because it's a part of the process, right? And I think one of the biggest things for me from a, running an organization, especially a global not-for-profit, I think one of the biggest things for me, which is something I don't necessarily enjoy a lot is organizing things a lot, putting systems and processes in place from a very technical standpoint as well and technological standpoint is something I really dread and procrastinate because I'm someone who's a very go-go person, right? Like, you know, I like to take those actions. I like to keep moving fast. But then I think when I started the organization and as we started growing and now we have more than about, uh, you know, across all the countries, we have more than about a hundred people that work with us. And, you know, as we started growing so much, what I realized was not every single person will work at the pace I work at, you know? And now that I do a full-time job as well, I do redefine, I do speaking as well. I do LinkedIn content creation. I do so much. 
I won't necessarily have as much time to be investing just constantly following up with every single person. So that's when I realized I will need to have systems and processes in place, you know, adopting platforms like Slack, Discord, uh, explaining to people how those things work. You know, like even when our website was set up by our um, by my CTO, you know, it had an admin panel to it, making the article writers understand how to use the admin panel, those kind of things. Um, are things that I really dread, even hiring people. Oh my God, I dread that so much. Like just interviewing people. I just want to select people like that, you know, and I end up doing a lot of that sometimes is, you know, just based on conversations. If I click with someone, I'm like, you know what? Let's just skip all those processes. Let's just bring you on board on a trial period of a week and let's just see how things go from there, right? But sometimes that may not be the best decision, right? So those are like a few things which I think is just parts of running an organization which you have to do, especially initially because you may not have the resources uh, monetarily as well and otherwise to actually have people in place who manage those things for you right so there are always those pieces of it you know um, like I rather like even when it comes to finding sponsorships I rather go pitch my sponsorship to someone than putting into a deck but you know that you need to put it into a deck oh, that's again something I dread so much but I know I need to do it because I love my baby, as I mentioned, and, you know, I want to make sure it's successful. So I got to put in the effort to, to put on those diapers, put on that clothing and put it out there like a shining uh, trophy or something, you know, that people want. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that was such a funny way to put it. But seriously, I think that's really important because, again, it goes back to how much you care for things. And even though you are passionate or you care so much, there are things where you're like, oh, I don't want to do this but you yeah. have to, and it's a human thing. And Every it goes day. to show, and you may not see, and the thing is, these, these this, with this question, you don't usually see that on social media or anything because you only see like all the good stuff. And it's like, okay, wait, 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 wait. I know you love everything, but what do you not love about the things you love? So I think yeah. that's important. Um, a couple of questions before I let you go. First thing, I wanna talk about content creation. This is something that I feel like a lot of people, even myself struggle with, it's either and I know you were, personally, congratulations on LinkedIn's top voice. We focus on two things. Either it's being perfect or we have to get it right. And when when we were, you talked about proving people wrong, it's funny because when I, so I started this back in January, this podcast. And then I think maybe August or September, I connected with another activist and we talked about sharing the podcast to their viewers. And he was like, I don't know if I want to do that. And he was like, if, and then he said, if, if Joe Rogan was asking me this, I would of course share it. But when I when I told him about my podcast, he was like, I don't know. And so it's like, because you're talking to someone who's done it, you're only gonna work with him, but not work with someone who's just starting out. And so it felt like every episode, even like with this one, unfortunately, I always felt like trying to get it perfect. So it'd be like, okay, what did Ritika say in previous podcasts? Download every transcript, see whatever, whatever what, focus on what all the words she said so we know she doesn't have to say the same thing again. What articles have she been on? What like basically I would be stalking my guests to make sure I understand everything they said so I know that we can have different conversations. And I think it's so much about being either perfect or getting it right. On your end, even though you are a top voice, you care a lot about being authentic, being honest, being real. For a lot of people, when they see that again, that title, they think, okay, we gotta get it right, we gotta be perfect but you focus on authenticity and real. I know I asked, or realness. I've asked this with other guests. I wanna ask it to you. Why do you think being real and authentic is more important than being perfect? 
I, I don't think there's anything called perfect that exists because I think perfection is very subjective. What may be perfect to me may not be perfect to you. What may be perfect to someone else may not be perfect to us, right? You know, and it's as simple as that. So I think I very early on realized that perfection is definitely not something we want to run after because it's subjective. Um, and neither do I have the expectation for myself to be perfect in even certain criteria, like let's say grammar. Like if you ever see my posts, I have a lot of grammatical errors, a lot of spelling mistakes as well at times. And, you know, it's just so nice and adorable, to be honest, whereby a lot of the people who are part of my community will actually message me privately and be like, Ritika, there's actually this mistake that you made. You may want to go correct that. Right. And I think I really appreciate that. And I think uh, me just leaving it that way sometimes allows people to realize that it is something that was written in that moment that was written in that emotion while I was experiencing it. And I think for me, I've even realized when it comes to posts, I don't think when I think through it a lot, it's, it becomes a good post. Most of my posts that have gone viral are posts, which I've written just like a minute or two minutes before posting it, right? In that minute and in that moment, right? And I think people, the fact that my posts that even have a lot of spelling mistakes go viral in the post where I've thought things through, just goes to show how my uniqueness reflects through that post I wrote in the moment because I write in the language I speak, right? I write in the language with the emotions that I have right? But when you start thinking about making things perfect, that's when you're influencing your uniqueness with someone else's expectations and someone else's criterias and ideologies, right? So that content piece that you produce is no longer yours, right? Because it's completely influenced by someone else. So, you know, like even when it comes to content, and I, th I know a lot of people may say things against this. And I know recently uh, my goal has been to actually grow my Instagram a lot as well. So I've started posting actively there. And I was connecting with my friends who is a creator on Instagram, you know, uh, with like 10k at least more followers than me there. And I was trying to understand from him, how do you do it? And he mentioned this one thing that, you know, follow what is trendy. But I actually don't think that's right the reason i say is i agree you should follow what's trendy because you know that's what where the hype's at that those videos are likely to go viral but i think many a times where especially when you're starting from scratch and very very early in the process always try and influence your audience to start liking the content that you want to start putting out there or the content that you want them to listen to because there are going to be times where audience does not want to listen to you telling them how lazy they're being about things or you calling out them to be those heavy procrastinators who then start complaining about things not happening, right? And some people may not appreciate that, right? But it doesn't mean you stop posting that content just because you got less views on that as compared to the other one. So I think there's a brief balance between also figuring out uh, when do you really need to push the audience uh, because you know that's the kind of audience you want to even have on your platform, right? The quality of your community also matters. For me, it's not just about the size, right? Like for me, how many people comment on my post matters a lot because it shows are they engaging with me, right? You'll see some people having 500K followers, right? And whenever they post a, uh, put up a post, they'll have a lot of likes, but zero comments. That's when you know the engagement's not there. And you don't want that. You want an, a post where there is engagement. So I think it's all about just understanding what your priorities are, working around those things. And that's why I think like authenticity is important, especially in a time where you have, like even on a platform like LinkedIn, you have uh, 1 million people, uh, 1 billion people, sorry, using the platform, right? And when you have so many people, do you actually think influencing your content with other people's ideas is going to help you get viral? No, it's not, right? 
people are looking for uniqueness so if you don't bring yourself out there it's not going to work as simple as that for sure and i think being weird is not the worst thing in the world and i think oh. a lot of people think of it as like oh that's why are you being different and now we realize no being different's a good thing and what i will say before we wrap up i would say that i used to think perfection was perfection meant greatness because you see all the people who are doing great things and you're like oh they have it everything and when i started this podcast i realized you know what never mind it was a process so i think for a lot of people being authentic is a process you'll have your good days you'll have your bad days you'll have things that go your way you'll have things that don't go your way but it's a process and that's what greatness is. greatness doesn't mean being perfect it's a process that leads to that great thing whatever that may be whether it's creating an organization content creation and also like you said it's it's about that quality of your community and it goes back to early the idea of the quality of friendships that you have because that's also important and like you say yeah there are many people who have tons of followers on social media but there's no engagement but if you have those people who are able to engage with your content even if they whether they agree with it or not i think that's a really good thing and it's going to only continue to go upwards even if it goes down um you will always find a way to because you love it so much you'll always find ways to bring more people together so um i think that's a really good thing that you've mentioned <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know. I and I think the only other thing I would say, Hamza, to you, to be honest, is you know, in in relation to the comment that you mentioned that someone made about the podcast as well. You know, just from that person's perspective, also, you know, even when I was starting out, because with Redefine, also we had started our podcast as well, where we were initially doing a lot of interviews, but then because we had too much going on, we decided to prioritize and not take that up as a priority. But I remember that time as well when I was reaching out to a lot of people to interview them. I knew that there were going to be some. People people who would be more open to posting about like making a separate post on their feed which for someone who let's say maybe a creator maybe an activist with a lot of eyes at them creating a post in itself to uh, share that interview that they had means a lot to them like could influence a lot of things for them as well right and i think that's when i knew like i knew certain people who i can expect that from happening and certain people who can't who are from whom i can't expect that from happening and it comes down to the simple idea of mutual benefit right um that's how i think the world starts working and you realize that very early on like even for me for example when it even comes to collaborations what i will see is as as i have started growing and now that you know i have let's say 50k or whatever followers now i see that people always want to post about me but i remember at the time where let's say i had 5k followers no one would want to post about me even if i begged them to you know what i mean like and i think it's kind of that simple idea that you need to just start creating that credibility for yourself however there will be people along the way who will be like hey why don't we draw a balance between these two things at least that's what i do whenever i have a podcast with someone like i recently did a podcast even with a uh, uh, i think she is a 13 year old high schooler who recently started her podcast it was the first ever episode she wanted uh, she really wanted me as her first guest and i told her i will absolutely do it right but obviously i won't be able to create a separate like post about it but what i told her about it is when you post it tag me i'll make sure we put in comments and i make sure i bring traction to your profile so that way it's a balance where i'm not influencing my feed but i make sure i bring her the attention she deserves because i had a fantastic time on a podcast right and i know she deserves that attention so i think it's just about figuring out that balance and i think in the, if that's the case you should never feel bad if someone says that because it's just 
the way the game works, right? And I'm sure when you also get popular, let's say with your podcast, it's going to be the same with you, right? You wouldn't want someone who, let's say, only has, as an example, who has a thousand followers, you know, you wouldn't post about interviewing that person because you want to post about that person who interviewed with 5 million followers, for example, right? So it's just kind of that idea. Yeah, and I think one thing I'll add is my friend said this too, or my friend said this once, and it was funny because the podcast called Oh My Great Goodness, which is that not everyone likes chicken makhni with mango lassi and garlic naan in the sense that not everyone likes the thing that you love. And that's something you have to be okay with. Sure, some people, there are, even though you have like a really good intention, not everyone likes it. So if Ritika says yes, that's more important than whatever, what, uh, like, then it's more important than the no's that you've received. That's a part of the game, but just continue to focus on the people that do believe in you. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is, I guess, the future in some sense. Now, I don't want to ask you what's next for you. What does the future look like for you? Because that's such a really, I don't know, I don't like that question. But what I do want to ask, because I feel like we've talked about how on social media, we see mostly the successes, but you're very, you're someone who focuses on successes and challenges. Um, as someone who has i'm sure has many challenges whether it's redefined or with personal stuff but i also think that experiences from the past can help us in the future so what i do want to ask you is what is something that ritika used to be scared of it could be anything spiders clowns or anything it doesn't matter what is something that you used to be scared of that you're no longer scared of anymore and how often do you apply that experience when you are tackling different challenges because when you continue on, there's going to be a lot of like stomach or butterflies in your stomach, fear, yeah. self-doubt. But sometimes we can go back and go, well, I used to be afraid of this, but no, I'm not anymore. Now, maybe I can use that to tackle these new challenges, even though they may be different from that thing I used to be scared of. Yeah, I think there are things you're always going to be. I don't think there's anything necessarily I'm scared of, but I think um you could say in a way that something I fear is uh, not being able to perform to my potential. I think that's something I fear. And I don't think that's a fear I can ever let go of, to be honest. I think it's always going to remain because I think we, as humans, are constantly evolving. Uh, what may be my uh, potential max today will change as I keep moving, right? It will keep upping, right? It'll keep increasing. And as that keeps increasing, my expectation for myself of fulfilling that potential will keep increasing. So I think there is never going to be a time where I'm like, yeah, I'm completely satisfied that I'm performing to my potential because I think there's always just so much more to do. Uh, so I think uh, that's, I guess, like a fear or rather, I don't know if fear is the right word, but I think that's just something I don't think I will escape. <laughs> and it will always exist. Yeah. And I think I'm happy for that though, because I think that is what keeps me driving and that's what keeps me moving forward. And that's what in a way helps me focus on the learnings because, and it helps me not get things to my head. I think with a lot of people, what starts happening is especially, you know, um, even though uh, I'm honestly at such a small stage, but you know, with a lot of people, especially like you start seeing this very naturally when it even comes to, you know, features in magazines, this and that coming on TV, news, etc. You, you, you see them thinking very highly of themselves. But I think 
when you are that someone who is always competing with yourself, you can never really reach that stage because you always feel like, damn, I'm still that shitty person, you know, with my scale changing, right? I'm still at that bottom compared to where I want to be because it's changing every time, you know? So the bottom of before is, you know, like the top now is becoming the bottom of that next step, right? So you always still feel at that bottom, even though you're progressing, right? And I think for me, that's always the case, which is why I always feel like there's just so much to do and I never understand sometimes why people think I've done amazing things because I don't think I have done anything yet uh so I guess that helps me though for sure and I guess uh what I will say to end it is that you know it's it's uh life is a constant um there's so many there's ways to what am I trying to say um in life, you're always going to find ways to grow. There's going to be new challenges that come along the way, but um, it's just continuously learn and try to be the best version of yourself. Um, and I think everything, I think there's so many things that you said that can be valuable to not just uh, myself, but for many listeners who are checking this out. And so, yeah, everything you said is really good. So Ritika, I know you are a busy person, um, but I just want to say thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for doing all the incredible things you've done. Thank you for the incredible insight you have, not just focusing on just all the successes, but also just being real and authentic because that's what it goes back to. It's not just about those awards. Unfortunately, like we talked about, that's how people, that's what people look for. But we look at something that's more important, which is what it means to be a human being. So Ritika, thank you so much for everything you do. Good luck with everything. And I hope we get to meet in person someday. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on board. And I hope people enjoyed the podcast and yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you guys like what you saw, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at the OMCG Podcast for more information on guests, preview clips, and more. Please continue to support this podcast in the future. I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode.